Happy Tuesday, listeners, and bon appetit. Today, Kate and I are reviewing the pilot for Netflix's hit comedy, Santa Clarita Diet. What are we in for? It's hard to say, <laughs> uh, but there's bound to be some surprises. So buckle in and grab your blenders. Let's hop to it. The Santa Clarita? Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, the Santa Clarita diet. There we go. Santa Clarita. I was like, mm, uh, diet. Um, this show is, well, first do we want to go into like how much we were aware of it before we started or. Yeah. Yeah. The big guy. Um, um, I, so I have seen the first episode before I watched it for reasons I won't get into on here, but Mm. Uh, I, <laughs> but I did watch it once, like uh, four years ago. Um, so I had a very basic understanding of what the show was about. That Drew Barrymore's character was some sort of like undead zombie type thing, and um, her husband is very supportive and is helpful in keeping her secret. That's like the one thing. I feel like the one thing that I have seen about the show over the years is that her husband is like very much in love with her and like very much supports her throughout whatever happens in this show. And um, I think that was, that was pretty much it. I do remember, I feel like fairly early on when the show came out, there were some people that don't know as much about television that saw the title of it or heard the title of it and where they were confusing with like South Beach Diet, which <laughs> I'm sure is part of why the show is called what it is. But then I had to be like, I don't think you want to be on the Santa Clarita Diet because uh, <laughs> a lot of uh, people involved. A lot of people involved in that. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I had heard about the show, um, you know, back when it first premiered and it was getting a lot of buzz and being a fan of Drew Barrymore's quirk. Um, I was like, yes, I've got to put this on my list. And so I have watched uh, the first season, but I have not watched anything beyond that. And largely because not because I didn't want to, but I don't know. It was just one of those things. Like there's I, a lot of television out there. Yeah, there's a lot of television out there. Time got away from me. And so season two is still on my my list. So season two will both be fresh as babes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I have seen uh, season one. And so what happened in the pilot episode? You may be wondering. A well, lot. A lot happened. A whole lot. <laughs> So our main character, um, although it is a, it is an ensemble piece, so um, you know you'll see a lot of these you know of the characters that are brought to us in the pilot. But the main character, the, the woman we're following, her name is Sheila, and Sheila is married to Joel, and they have a beautiful daughter named Abby, and they live next door to Eric, Rick, who is a sheriff, and. I believe the mom's name is Lisa. Lisa is uh, is uh, Eric's mom. Well, Dan, and Dan is the sheriff that's married to Lisa. 
Eric's mom. And then Rick is the other neighbor. Other cop Santa neighbor. Monica PD. There we go. And there's like okay. a bit of a standoff between the, the sheriff and the police There's officer. a police rivalry happening. Apparently, Which is yes. hilarious because we have this undead secret that we're about to be um, trying to keep. And they live sandwiched between two officers of the law. The hijinks. The hijinks, everyone. The hijinks at all. <laughs> so anyway, um, Sheila and Joel live a very ordinary, it feels like California um, existence. Um, they're both real estate agents. And they are what we would, we would not call them a bold couple. Um, they, Joel spends a lot of time thinking about getting his toast just right in a toaster oven. And <laughs> Sheila has this whole, whole thing about how she wishes she was bolder, but she's not. And she spends quite a bit of time trying to figure out whether or not she is or isn't bold. <laughs> Thereby, if um, you have to ask the question, it's probably if ask, no. <laughs> yeah. If you ask the question that many times, the, the answer is probably no. So they're not the wildest couple in the bunch, which is crazy because one day out of the blue, unexplained yet, um, Sheila is on the job. She's showing this couple with a, a house with Joel and she begins to throw up. Earlier, she'd felt some stomach pains, but you know, they passed and she went on with her day. Now they've come back and she is throwing up like, a colossal amount of throw up. <laughs> a disturbing amount of vomit. A disturbing amount of vomit is, I believe, um, their new cohort, Greg. Uh, um, or, yeah, correct. Oh, Gary West. Gary yes. West. Um, played by Nathan Fillion. Yes. Played by Nathan, the, played wonderfully by Nathan Fillion. And um, she, uh, Joel leaves her in, in the bathroom to handle her business and attempts to close this deal, but it, it's not really going because everybody can hear her throwing up <laughs> no matter where they move in the house. It's, <laughs> it's quite volatile. And so eventually the couple decides that nah, nah, we've had enough of the shroud. We're leaving. And Joel goes back to check on Sheila only to discover that she has passed out on the floor. The room is entirely soaked in vomit. And he checks her pulse and believes for a moment that she is dead because he cannot feel a pulse. But then she opens her eyes and begins talking. And so he presumes that perhaps he missed, you know, maybe he just didn't have the right feel on her pulse. But Joel should have listened to his first instinct. <laughs> because his wife is in fact dead. <laughs> Which or they undead. learn later. Or undead, as we should say. Which they learn later by, um, they're not able to visit the hospital just because hospitals are overrun and his wife, a, a, a woman who's throwing up is apparently not a priority. Um, although- It was a lot of vomit. <laughs> it was a lot of vomit. And <laughs> in reality, vomiting can be a serious sign of illness. I, I don't know, but you know, for the, for the comedy of it all, they're not able to see a doctor. They go home. And um, Abby or Abby notices that uh, mom is acting a little bit different, as does Joel. Um, Sheila is 
Sheila has kind of done a 180. She's gone from being the kind of person who doesn't even like to have spontaneous sex with her own husband to someone who is basically a nympho <laughs> and <laughs> she is bolder. They, uh, she and Abby go out and get a Range Rover on a whim. She finally takes Lisa up on her offer to hang out with the girls at night. You know, the other wives in the neighborhood, I presume. And she's dancing like a sex fiend. Joel's not really about it. I mean, obviously, he, you know, he enjoys his wife, but like anytime someone that you're seriously close to just changes on a dime like that, Joel's worried. Also a little pissed. <laughs> and probably also a little concerned. And a little concerned, yeah. And um, meanwhile, Gary is on the is on the prowl for her. He's clearly into her doesn't really care that she's married. And when Joel comes to fetch her from the bar that night, um, Gary gets in his face and is like, the girl just wants to have a good time, which is really weird to do to someone who is talking to their wife and not, like she was clearly not in distress. Also I don't know. like all of this has happened on the same day. So like Gary met Sheila that morning. Yeah at the office where she got like reamed out by their boss. And then his next interaction with them is he brings her flowers and he has like, A, taken their their house listing and B, had sent in cleaners and has seen the amount of vomit that she has released from her body and then mm -hmm. finds her later that evening at a bar and is like, she just wants to have fun. Like that was- a, a completely insane amount of vomit I think those were his words <laughs> that it was an insane amount of vomit and he's just like not like not worried at all about this yeah. woman's health or safety yeah no I did think about that I was just like he doesn't if I were somebody's co-worker and I witnessed what I had witnessed earlier in the day and then yeah. later when I'm at a bar I see them out drinking with their gal pals I'd be like what the heck are you doing what is going on here <laughs> I wouldn't be so but, concerned with fighting her husband to be like, no, nah, she can stay here, bro. Yeah. Yeah. You know, girl just wants to have fun. Um, oh, also, because I, I think I missed it. But um, when Sheila <laughs> was having her vomiting episode, uh, she vomited out a strange object or we don't know what it is. It could be. Yeah. They ask if it might be an organ. Yeah, but we don't know what it is. Right. It's a small ball-shaped thing that came out of her body. Um, and she also um, devoured some raw meat. Yep. So, <laughs> um, so if you're into steak so, tartare, the Santa yes. Clarita diet might be for you. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so Joel being naturally very worried and wanting to know what is going on uh, and also not really wanting to like expose her to any sort of like danger that might come with like taking her to a doctor or, you know, somebody kind of finding out that all these really strange things are happening. Um, Abby suggests taking um, Sheila over to Eric, the next door neighbor kid, uh, because he's I mean, basically he's a super nerd. He knows all of the fantastical, odd, weird things. 
And if anybody has a read on what is going on with mom, it's going to be this kid, um, which is how two adults and their teenage daughter end up in, an, in another teenager's room, grilling him about, <laughs> please diagnose my wife. Um, <laughs> and is Eric is the one. Yes. And Eric <laughs> is the one who delivers our prognosis that she has in fact died and she's now undead, an undead zombie. And if she should start to deteriorate or show signs of aggression, we may need to bash her, her brains in. Um, so that's what we're hoping won't happen <laughs> for the rest of the episode. You know, no for the signs rest of the show. <laughs> for the rest of the show, really, you know. Um, but sure enough, as things progress with Gary, we learn that Gary is a creep. We didn't really need too much more to tell us that Gary was a creep, but he, his, his creep does come out. He drops the nice guy act then, um, the day after the bar incident um, where he comes over presumably to check on her. And we learn that he did attempt to sleep with her. She rebuffed him. And now he's upping his game by manhandling her and thrusting against her. And when that fails and, to harm and her, threatening to tell her husband that they slept together, even though yeah. they didn't. Yeah. No, when Unless handling her like an again. ape and thrusting against her fails to like woo her, uh, he, he <laughs> then uh, moves on to threatening to tell her husband that they slept together, even though they didn't. Or, yeah. or, you know, so either sleep with me and I won't say a thing, or I'll just tell him anyway. And like a boss, Sheila is like, wow i mean i'm suddenly so turned on by you and she starts to like she puts her, his fingers in her mouth and she starts to like lick him and he's like into it little does he know though a hungry zombie an angry hungry zombie who he just tried to threaten with blackmail has his fingers in her mouth what do you think happens <laughs> You probably guessed it. Dear readers. <laughs> yes. Sheila bites off his fingers. And from there, we have lots of screaming and blood. And uh, Sheila has now had her first taste of human flesh. And poor Gary is done for. Poor Gary is gone. He's lost to us. Goodbye, Nathan. You were a, um, not a sweet soul, but um, you were like lovely to look at. <laughs> you were amusing. <laughs> you were amusing. Um, and that is how Joel comes home. Joel, who has been stewing ever since the night before at the bar, finally gears up the, the you know the gumption to come home and confront Sheila about her actions the night before, only to find her um, chewing on this man, man's bowels. There's no other ways, to, no other way to say it. She has slaughtered a man in their backyard, and she's covered in his blood. His entrails are like falling out of her mouth. And she looks up and all she says is that she really wants to make their relationship work. <laughs> and that is where we And that's end. where we leave it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was a very amusing pilot that I feel like it sets up a lot of things to come, which I guess is the point of a pilot. <laughs> it's setting up the things to come. <laughs> right <laughs> so good job pilot yeah good job good job and it made me want to see like how are they going to make this work yeah now that one of one half of this couple and one third of this family is undead undead and 
possibly in danger of deteriorating into a mindless brain eating zombie. Yes. And just deteriorating. Mm-hmm. In general. In general, <laughs> yes. Yeah, because we don't know how long her like human body is going to stay in its current Drew Barrymore form. Yes. And turn into something sadly less Drew, lovely as Drew Barrymore and more in line with The Walking Dead. <laughs> yes. <laughs> On a scale from Drew, Drew Barrymore in the pilot of Santa Clarita Diet to The Walking Dead. <laughs> Where's this going to go, right? Where is this going to go? <laughs> so where do you think it's going to go? Oh, that is the question of the day, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I mean, it's definitely kind of like a wacky family comedy. So I don't know how much they're going to stray too much from this premise of this family trying to kind of figure out how to be a family under these new circumstances. Because in the pilot, in the beginning, it's very much set up that they all kind of have their wants that aren't entirely related to each other. Um, And like they're they feel like they're kind of a family that's sort of stuck in a rut. Like Abby really wants a car and she's been trying to make a case for her mom to get a new car and then take her mom's car. Very normal teenage drama wants. And like, like we talked about, like Joel, he's very concerned with the knobs on his toaster oven to get that perfect toast. And (laughs) Sheila is just super concerned about like, is she bold enough? She wants to be bolder. She wants to be able to stand up for herself. And like, she decided this morning that she wants a Range Rover. And so like, they're all kind of like, like I I had this thought in that scene where Sheila is like looking at the magazine and contemplating if she's very bold. And Joel is just talking about the knobs on his toaster oven. And I was like, these people are talking at each other about different things Mm -hmm. and they're not listening to each other at all. Yeah. Yes. And so I'm, I'm curious to see how this dynamic is going to like shift over time, especially now that like the this family is like really in on this secret together because it's a big secret and it's an insane secret (laughs) and if anyone else finds out who the hell know what will happen um like eric knows but eric is a creeper and he doesn't seem like he has much of a social life so he has any he has some kind of affection for abby so he has some yeah he's got a crush on her so he has some kind of incentive to stay quiet about Mm -hmm. all of this and I'm actually curious to see if he'll play a bigger role in them figuring out like the limitations of her undeadness and what Mm -hmm. it all means um but I think a lot of the focus will probably be on a lot of like the humor of her killing people eating people Mm -hmm. and the family trying to both cover it up and just kind of like figure out what this dynamic is between the three of them. Mm. I think that in terms of what we saw in the pilot, um, no, you had, you had that spot on, like there's so much done in the first episode to establish that while this is a nice family, they are, they're kind of ships in the night with each other. Mm -hmm. They're like, they're passing each other. Like even Joel, um, you know, when he tries to initiate, um, you know, sex with his wife in the um, 
just like a, a morning, a morning session. And she rebuffs him and has this whole monologue of, well, she's not that kind of person. She's never been that kind of person. Um, and she likens it to um, like humping each other the way that um, a dog would, you know, a small child, <laughs> you know, yes. I guess they're <laughs> like that dog did to that little girl at the, I can't remember what she said, but yeah, no, just, so you have the husband um, wanting to connect with his wife. And the first thing you see is her um, rebuff that effort, you know, humorously, of course, but it, not, it all means something, you know, and then um, it stuck out to me that um, even on my first watching that while Abby seems to have a, a relatively normal relationship with her parents, um, her mother attempts to, um, you know, reach out to her like, hey, we should hang out together. We mm -hmm. haven't seen each other in a while. And, you know, like a teen, she says, I'm perfectly okay with that. <laughs> um, and, you know, she rebuffs that effort. And so there was a lot of, they're all trying to connect with one another, but it's just not happening. They're missing yeah. one another. All the wires are, are crossing in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. So this, this is kind of providing an opportunity now that like they talk about how Sheila with her undeadness is now just like pure id. Mm -hmm. um, that she's giving into her most base desires. And I think like, they also make a point of like talking about how Joel smokes weed, which is extremely legal in California and whatever, but they, they kind of like talk about how he, he is sort of the one that is a little bit looser about mm -hmm. everything. Like he's the one that's trying to initiate this like impromptu sex in the morning. And even though he is very concerned about his toaster knobs, like, which, you know, <laughs> fair, nobody yeah. likes burnt toast. Yeah. Unless you do, and you're a monster, but that's a different story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he he's definitely the one that doesn't take things as seriously in, in life, in their relationship. So now there is going to be a bit of a role reversal because he's the one that's sort of like reeling her in um, since she's kind of like taken away all of these barriers between what she wants and what she mm, does. Yeah. Um, and I think for a bit, he'll probably appreciate it, but there's even like a moment after their like first session, after she goes into her undead mode, um, where he's like, yeah, my jaw's still sore. And she's like, well then stop talking. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. So she's Easy just very, solution. yeah. So like, you can, you can see there, there are places where like too much of a good thing is, is also not good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's something that they're going to have to contend with, but, uh, yeah, like they, they haven't been listening to each other and they're going to have to start listening to each other more. Like now that she's undead, Abby seems to want to spend more time with her. She's like a fun, cool mom, yeah. but I can also see how that's going to potentially go overboard. Like with Joel, oh, yeah. like she's yeah. too fun. And then it becomes a problem and it, it goes into that other territory for teenagers of like, this is embarrassing and I can't handle this. And now I don't want to spend and, time with you. Right. And also like, as much as we say we want our parents, like, it's always nice when you can be friends with your parents, but 
at the end of the day, you want a parent, you know, yeah. and it takes them out and it takes a certain amount of unfun, <laughs> uncoolness to, to be a parent. And when she no longer has that, I can see, I could see that wearing, wearing thin after a while. Yeah. And I mean, it's going to be like with Joel, another role reversal in a way that like, she's going to be this teenager that's now sort of mothering her mother mm -hmm. um, to hold things in line. And like, yeah, like I, I can see how they could appreciate it in some ways and how it's going to cause friction in others. Yeah. Um, as far as Eric goes, I'm, I'm hoping that they're going to lead that into like an actual friendship developing with him and Abby and not keeping too closely to this, like he has this like weird intense crush on Abby and doesn't mm -hmm. treat her like a person. Cause I, I just feel like it's really overdone in, in media in general that like, there's this idea that guys just don't see girls as people. And I get very tired of it. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, there's, it's, we can, we can end that. We stop that. <laughs> yeah. We can just say, no, just say no to that. <laughs> girls are people too. <laughs> yes. Right. So I'm hoping that it will turn into an actual friendship. And I feel like if they become like good friends, I wouldn't mind it turning into a romance somewhere down the line. But I do need there to be an actual acknowledgement of both of them seeing each other as like fully formed people before that happens. What I'm worried about, because right now, if I had to guess, um, or I should say what, what worried me when I first, first watched, because obviously I do now know how it goes, but um, what worried me when I first watched um, was that Eric is literally introduced to us um, through his crush on, on Abby, but not, you know, like, I'm just going to come out and say it. Like his mom thinks it's cool to uh, tell Abby and her parents that her teenage son has a uh, fixation with Abby and mm -hmm. that she is the prime material in his spank bank. And, you know, this is played for laughs, but, you know, like as I'm sitting there watching it, I'm just like, okay, wow, what a, what a, what a mother, like what an inappropriate thing to do. Number yeah. one, to humiliate your child. Number two, when we just take it on a character, you know, when we just take it, on what this does to the character, it immediately puts Abby as an object, you know, an, an object of fixation for him. Like she's not a person. He's yeah. not in love with her because they they you know were childhood friends or they lived next door for you know like they're not doing this sort of like girl next door thing. They literally place her as an object of his sexual um, you know desires, and. So that's where we have to move beyond. And I'm just like, wow, <laughs> like, yes. why would you make the hole that much deeper for yourself? You know? So that was a little alarming upon first watch. Funny, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Um, funny? But also it makes me question the relationship that he has with his mother, Lisa, that she is close enough to him or that he is fixated enough that she wasn't just able to pick up on it. Um, but like, does, does he talk to his mother about his spank bank? Like, how does she know this? Or even creepier, like the way that, you know, most mothers clean their teen children's rooms. 
Yeah. We know this, we know that it's possible for you to find things while you're in there, but see, there you go. Like, this is exactly what I don't want to be thinking about. And- <laughs> Like, it is exactly what we don't want to be thinking about. Like, why would you do this? Like, can we just, can we just stop this? Yeah. I'm curious to see how, well, I am curious to see how this whole relationship with Eric evolves with like the whole family too, because it's also like that statement was made to, you know, Abby's parents as well as Abby. So now they yeah. also have this like image of who Eric is in their head. Yeah. Um, which is just like, ah, okay. Um, right. And I feel like at this point with the undeadness, Sheila might not have as much of a problem with it, but Joel is still a parent who's very much alive and mm-hmm. not run by his id. Um, so I could see him having some, some questions. Um, <laughs> but I am curious how the relationship with Lisa and their whole family is going to evolve over time. Because she's definitely put there as like this uh, a wild foil for Sheila, mm-hmm. but now they're both wild. So I don't you know. Think they might how? Yeah, spur I, each other on. <laughs> yeah, they might spur each other on. They might clash. Um, I think that her husband Dan, the sheriff, who's like very aggressive about being a sheriff, and like, like that whole thing between Dan and Rick. Like Rick is the the Santa Monica PD officer who lives on one side, and and Dan is the the LA County Sheriff that lives on the other side. And he's the one that's very aggressive about how much better the Sheriff's Department is than the Santa Monica PD. And and Rick is just kind of like, whatever man about it. But Dan is like, everything is suspicious. Everything needs to be investigated. And for that reason, I feel like he's gonna die before the end of the season because he's gonna get too suspicious over what the hell Mm -hmm. is happening with Sheila and her family. Mm-hmm. and he's gonna have to go mm. Mm. which then would put lisa into a position of being single potentially mourning because we don't really know entirely what her relationship with rick is like um we just know that eric doesn't like him yes yeah, so we know that eric doesn't like him and that he's a stepdad not his mm-hmm. biological dad and based on the jokes that lisa makes about like sleeping with other men on girls nights and whatnot it does make me wonder how happy she actually is in her marriage or if it's a front or or what like maybe she's maybe she's the one that's like wild outwardly but it's actually not that wild Mm. that's a good uh that's a good point because I would say that at the start of the episode you have, you know, like you kind of brushed on this before, but at the start of the episode, you have Lisa and Sheila being on opposite ends of the spectrum, Mm -hmm. at least from the things that Lisa would say. I mean, you have a mom who's bold enough to declare her son's sexual fantasies to the entire neighborhood, basically. (laughs) (laughs) And to the Um, object of said sexual fantasy. Right, and her parents, parents. uh, which is still blowing my mind. I just, wow. Um, (laughs) And then you have, you know, Sheila. And then by the time you get to the girls' night at the bar, you have, uh, Lisa expresses her admiration. Like, um, she kind of says, you know, like, yeah, I talk a good game, but I've never, like, I wish I had whatever 
whatever it was that took you from having the whim of wanting to buy a Range Rover this morning and just going out there and doing it. Um, and she says she wishes she had that. And then she also starts um, egging her on to, to sleep with somebody at the bar. To sleep with Gary. <laughs> to sleep with Gary. Yeah. So it may, it could be one of those things where it seems set up that way anyway, that it could be one of those things where Lisa um, talks boldly, but she doesn't act on those things. So they could egg each other on. They could form an unlikely unlikely friendship even, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, as uh, Sheila encourages her to be bolder or they could be antagonists. We yeah. don't know. Well, I mean, it, it would be fun, especially if, if they do form an unlikely friendship and, and have like a close bond to have the tension if, if she does end up eating Rick at some point. Yeah. Um, that then she's now like eaten her friend's husband. Yeah. Just yeah. Weird. And that's just, you know, another layer of secrets to keep. Yeah. I can see it. I can see it being very, very, very fun. A very wild ride. We'll, we'll keep it at that. <laughs> yes. Yes. A very fun ride. That's, that's what I, I feel like we're, we're in for. Um, I think the last character I want to touch on at all is her boss or their boss, uh, Carl, who runs the realtor agency, whatever. Who is an absolute jerk. Yeah, he's, uh, he's fun. Uh, what is it with us <laughs> watching shows lately with bosses who are just terrible people? Right, um, what's the phrase to borrow from Eve? Uh, uh, a dick swab <laughs> <laughs> a dick swab yeah he is a dick oh, swab <laughs> um so i'm kind of hoping that she'll end up killing him at some point even if it's not this season mm -hmm. uh just because it'd be fun so like for the you know like it, it, it fulfills that kind of like yeah that emotional revenge fantasy that a lot of mm -hmm. people who've had terrible bosses over the year would be like yeah i want to kill my boss too not like <laughs> literally but it's fun to imagine Although maybe it's fun to imagine know. you getting shoot apart by a zombie. Yeah. Um, oh man. I mean, I've had some terrible bosses. I don't. Oh no, I found one. <laughs> <laughs> you found one that you would want like, to eat or have eaten this, by a zombie. Right. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. If there's anybody that I would want to sit there. Like, I would actually want subject to being eaten by a zombie, and then, oh no. <laughs> Never mind. I remember. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I could have a couple over the years. Yeah. That I wouldn't. I don't know that I would send them into the zombie pit, but I don't know that I'd help them out of it either. Mm. It is one of those like, wow. I mean, I wouldn't push you, but right. <laughs> I mean, if you were like screaming for help, I'd be like, oh, where's. Oh. We're some of the I have my headphones in. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh man. Oh, I need prayer. Um. <laughs> um so going forward, I feel like the victims, the victims, quote unquote, um, are probably gonna be people that we meet along the way. Uh, just because it adds more humor to the situation. And also we have a fairly tight cast that 
I think will stick with us mostly for the rest of the show, or at least the rest of the season. Because, um, yeah, we, we meet terrible people all the time. And I'm also, like, I'm curious, like, what what is what does it actually mean to keep her fed not on people? And mm. now that she's had her first taste of human flesh, can she go back to, to hamburger hub? to hamburger yeah like is is that a thing or is it i don't know i don't know if it's uh to get into like true blood territory of like they have the like fake blood that vampires can drink and it kind of feels like the raw hamburger is the fake blood version of mm -hmm. of people so maybe yeah. she should try chicken since apparently that's what people taste like apparently to the internet this is not personal you know, experience. Big disclaimer, not personal experience. I would like the internet to know that I have no personal experience with eating people, but. <laughs> Correct. I hear. <laughs> but if we ask Army Hammer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're wrong for that one. Um. <laughs> Too soon? <laughs> Too soon. Um, no. Um, yeah. No, actually, it's, it's crazy what you will find on the internet, especially when you're a writer and you're doing like research. Yes. I know way more about things like this than I ever wanted to know, thought I would know, or think I'm okay with knowing, but. I mean, I know way more uh, about the history of Switzerland's currency than mm -hmm. I ever thought I would. Yes, but, right? <laughs> um, fun facts, much like with um, Kobe beef, but um, the plumper you are, the, the fattier the flesh, the sweeter the meat. Mm. Um, <laughs> maybe, I don't know why that's relevant, but maybe that will come up at some point. <laughs> oh God, out of the frying pan and into the fire, I guess. Right, oh, well, um, I, I can see, like just as a writer, I would definitely put that in there just because like you always want to be upping the ante, right? Like. Yeah. It, it makes sense that now that she's tasted human flesh, she is going to be harder to control. Like she's not going to be satisfied with raw hamburger. Um, Joel went shopping because they were out of, you know, raw meat in the fridge. And he came yeah. back with like a T-bone steak. And I was just like, what about keep her fed? <laughs> Do not understand <laughs> like A single T-bone steak? You think that's right? going to satisfy her? <laughs> right man <laughs> like i feel like you you can even get into a discussion with like undead zombie hunger of a woman versus what women are typically allowed to yes. be hungry for <laughs> exactly and especially since like the the only other time we've seen her heat her eat before this she was drinking your stereotypical like California mom like it was a green smoothie and it didn't even look appetizing it looked like putrid like I mean green smoothies rarely look appetizing um sometimes they taste they, great but they don't always look great I beg to I beg to differ okay. I think that Pinterest smoothies have gone a lot like you know exactly that, it, that has color correction about. on it that glossy green bright vibrant smoothie that makes you think that oh man that's actually what I want and makes you totally forget that that thing tastes like grass and and <laughs> it's photoshopped hope. yeah <laughs> and that it's probably photoshopped yeah exactly like that's what I mean by like it 
there you can make a green smoothie look appetizing this the 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 they were not trying the to make smoothie <laughs> yeah this was meant to to look gross and it did <laughs> just to show you how healthy she is and all the yeah. good practical choices <laughs> that she makes in her life before exactly. she goes into her unlife yeah she chokes down filtered grass and mud every morning <laughs> the things we do as women yes and now she and gets now... to feast on sexist men exactly oh what a life mm, goals <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to go on the santa clarita diet you know what you've got me convinced where do i sign up where's my subscription I don't know, because that is one of the questions that they did leave unanswered is how did this happen? Exactly. And is it happening to more people? Yeah. Uh, that is a great question. I don't know the answer, obviously, having but seen one episode. I feel like, I don't know, like from a writing perspective to up the ante, like they're probably going to have to add more zombies or undead people at some point um but i do like that it's very contained to this family and this weird ass secret mm -hmm. um but there's something in the water kids so yes. it'll probably spread in some fashion and lead to more hilarity mm -hmm. um i'm guessing that whatever that thing was that looked like a tiny shriveled brain um mm -hmm. covered in blood might have something to do with it of course they had the speculation that it could have uh she could have contracted it from a monkey or a bat which feels too soon this year it does feel very i was like oh not in 2021 most kids. viruses come from monkeys or bats <laughs> and i was like oh mm, the hindsight <laughs> hindsight is in fact 2020 oh budding. i had to make the joke i'm sorry yes. uh, well that's all the time got today, <laughs> kim can only handle my dad joke bullshit for so long <laughs> or she has to cut me off <laughs> no it's like once you've delivered perfection where do you where do we go from there it's over thank you for joining us <laughs> Yes. Um, so I'm assuming at some point we might get hints as to how it happened, but I don't know if we'll ever get like a clear answer. I feel like a lot of times with these sorts of shows, especially since it's a comedy, it's it's kind of better not to know mm. to a degree, unless yeah. they want to play it as the humor of like, she actually contracted it from that dumbass green smoothie. <laughs> and now all these like now all these SoCal suburban right. moms are turning into undead zombies. I just love going around it. eating all the sexist men. In fact, you know what? Take a note, Hollywood. Um, that's it. That's the perfect story. That would be a great story. I would watch the hell out of it. Here, do it. Do it. <laughs> Oh man, love that. I love everything about that. Um, <laughs> I, I will say that, I, and tell me if you agree with this, in my experience, 
especially with American television. I think that, uh, you know, the, the British television that I've seen and like, um, I watch a lot of like, um, you know, with Bollywood, like Indian, um, you know, like foreign films and whatnot. And I think they're better at it. I think that with American television specifically, I think the key to maintaining a solid story and keeping momentum, especially if you're gonna have multiple seasons and we do love multiple seasons, um, is to reveal less. Yes. Because the more you reveal, it's like we have this insatiable urge to keep upping ourselves, like upping the ante. Like we always have to be doing something bolder than we did before. I'm sorry, have you and... seen a Fast and Furious movie? That's all they do. It's just like, how can we make the car stunts more? Right, better. I mean, last time we went, we went through a ring of fire surrounded by tigers, but this time <laughs> we're going to drive the car through a building at high speed. The building's going to be full of clowns. <laughs> <laughs> and the clowns are all going to be mothers. I mean, <laughs> something, you know, like it's just like, honor ball and you're like all right um yeah so my i find that um i find that writers who keep things close to their chest um i tend to enjoy those stories more i agree with that like i i like it when you have to work a little bit to know what's going on and yeah there's there's just more tension that you can have by revealing less. Less is more, kids. Yeah. Less is more. Less is more. Less is more. Because you, you have less. to have like more <laughs> questions that you want answered. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. When you answer the questions too early on, it's like they try to throw more questions at you in the middle but they're absurd questions. Yeah, they all need to be related to each other and like build yeah. on each other. If you're gonna answer a question, then what is the what is the, the next right question to ask? What is the most natural question that needs to be answered next? And you can focus on that. Yeah, and you know, we gotta rag on Star Wars for a second. Spoiler alert for a different fandom. <laughs> Star Wars, and I think that's like, that was a huge problem for me in the, uh, are we gonna call them sequels? The sequels, yes. In the sequels. Um, it starts with this big question of who Ray's parents are. And they do answer that question. I won't tell you what the answer is, but they do answer that question in twice. the middle, twice. <laughs> They answer that question once in the middle and then they re-answer it at the end because they seem to like realize they're goth and um, it was just a mess. Um, I... Quick non-spoilery question for you. Yeah. Which answer did you like more? Mm. Oh, that's a good question because it's so, okay. Based purely off of the way the story actually went, I wish they would have stuck with their first answer. Because at the very least, whether I was happy with it or not, whether I thought it would have been stronger to do something else, it had meaning. And you could have made that meaning 
lands and it would have been what it was. Mm -hmm. The second answer made no sense and there was no buildup and it definitely read as exactly what it was, which was we are trying to course correct. We are trying to do something interesting um, that we could have, should have done before, but here you go. And it just felt very sloppy and unearned and also confusing and just not what I wanted. <laughs> you know, so not only was it not what I wanted, but it also was shoddily done. And so you should have just stuck with the first one. What yeah. about you? Um, I also like the first answer as opposed to the second one. I think that they could have had pretty much the same story, like with what happened without changing her lineage. Um, but I liked to, to go back to what brought us into this topic in the first place. I liked that the first answer asked more questions about this universe and what yes. it meant to have a connection to the force. Yes. And where that comes from. So I was way more interested in that first answer, particularly with how that movie ended. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, exactly. That's exactly what I mean by like, it had meaning and it had profound questions that they could have explored and, yeah. you know, whether or not you were and happy I wish with that the they situation. would have. Yeah. But also there's, we don't need, we, we could have a two hour conversation about the sequels <laughs> and still not be done. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> Sorry. I could, come for, I could come for JJ Abrams to, today. <laughs> to bring it back to Santa Clarita diet. I think that they did a good job of answering what the premise of the show is in this first episode. And with Sheila's line at the end of, I really want to make this work, that sets up the next natural question for the show, which is how are they going to make this work? Mm. So I'm good yep. with let the hijinks begin. <laughs> Let the hijinks continue. Right. <laughs> so what's your final prediction? Like, how do you think this ends? At least season one. With season one. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Season one. I feel like there are some different possibilities. I feel like it could end with her killing someone in a way that's not easy to cover up. That could be their neighbor. Um, it could be someone else finding out about the secret, like Lisa, which would add a different dynamic to their relationship entirely. Um, it could be finding someone else who is also now undead. Like there needs to be some, I I presume that there will be some kind of twist or question that starts shifting the show a little bit. Mm. Yes. Yes. And maybe <laughs> at some point they find something that they think could be a cure for whatever has happened. Mm. But I don't think it will take considering there are three seasons of the show. Yeah. All right. All yeah. right. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I love when you know what has happened and I don't and I just get to like throw out these like wild ideas. 
you have um i mean it is the name of the game but you have uh you have good instincts great you, you understand story <laughs> thanks but we'll see how on the money you are with i'm this so one. i'm so glad since i spent so much time studying it in school yeah you know i have a whole degree in it i hope i have I a whole degree i hope i know how it works <laughs> You know, they did declare me an expert. <laughs> they declared oh, me yeah. something. <laughs> yeah. The piece of paper yeah, that now just sits in my closet. <laughs> right? It says, this chick understands story. Yep, that's exactly um, what it says. It's literally <laughs> in the fine print. <laughs> <laughs> you have to look very closely under a microscope, but it's there. I swear. <laughs> So what about you? Would you have any other kinds of predictions based on what you've seen in the pilot, despite Mm. actually knowing what happens? I I can tell you what I remember. I remember thinking, ooh, this is probably where this is going. Um, I remember expecting there to be more supernatural elements introduced. Because we were going to go on this journey of, you know, why did it happen? How did it happen? Is there a way to cure it? Is there a way to get mom back? Um, and do they there, want mom is, back? Do they want mom back? Is there a way to stabilize her from, you know, her deterioration, if that's where we're going? So I expected there to be a dive into the supernatural realm. Um, and whether that included bringing in more, you know, zombies or witches or whatever, you know, it could go any which way um i remember i remember i remember slurring my words um (laughs) i remember being very excited about what kind of hijinks that you know what kind of supernatural hijinks they they could get up to so that was my prediction and we'll see if the story as you said stayed very contained or if some of these elements um were introduced. Yes. And I should say on that topic of containment and the supernatural elements, like I do assume that at some point they will need to address those kinds of questions of like, how did she end up this way? How do they handle her? How do they Mm -hmm. keep her from deteriorating? That kind of thing. Um, I, I didn't really think about them including other kinds of supernatural elements or creatures or anything. I think in part because it, it, it has a very like contained premise to a degree. And maybe this is just my own personal hope, but I like it when you have a concept like this, a very high concept like this, when you keep it simple, like just keep it really simple and don't start oh, yeah. being like, and now we're going to introduce these creatures and then these things and this thing and that thing and the other. Like just keep, just really, really keep it simple. Cause that's yeah. what, I think that's what makes it more believable. Mm. Like it goes back to that whole idea of like the audience will believe one unbelievable thing. And I think zombies yeah. are the one unbelievable thing. <laughs> I think that like, I would agree with that in general. I think yes. that like fantasy as a, or fantasy is not really the right t- term, but like we'll use it. Fantasy as a genre allows for, like if you go into a story understanding that, oh, like, yeah. oh no, no, this is a fantasy. So I expect elves and witches and werewolves and, and whatever hoopla. And that's the world 
I think that the the world itself is the unbelievable thing that you're buying into. Yes. But this format is very different. It's very grounded in reality. And within that reality, there's this one unbelievable thing. And I would agree that if that's your premise, then you do need to kind of stick to give me one thing. Don't also introduce, you know, banshees and, <laughs> you know, and werewolves, but not to say that you can't and then no. get away with those things. No, but, but I think that there they are yeah. those are different kinds of stories. Like there are the stories yeah. where like you have many supernatural elements. Yeah. And and just the fact that all of these things exist, that is the unbelievable thing. But because it was introduced so very specifically, this one unbelievable thing in an otherwise extremely normal world. Exactly. Yeah. It makes me hope that it will continue to just be this one unbelievable thing. Yes. Which is zombies. <laughs> zombies. Or undead, whatever yes. you want to call it. And I guess what I'm hoping for um, in the whole scheme of the show, season one to the end of season, is that um, when I say contained, and this was not what I immediately predicted upon the first watch, but as soon as you said it, I was like, ah, oh, that would make for such a strong story. But as a writer, what I would hope they would do is contain it around the family. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yes, this unbelievable thing is happening, but at the end of the day, this is a, still a story about a family. Yeah. And, that's and not just a family, but this family. This family, yeah. But we'll see. We'll see. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we will see in our next episode where we discuss the finale. <laughs> That's a wrap on this episode of What You Missed On. Be sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts so that you never miss an episode. You can find the show on Twitter at WYMO Podcast. You can find Kim on Twitter at KJOUR and Kate on Instagram at Your Story Unstuck. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for our next episode.